What is going on, ladies and gents? Robert Sykes, KetoSavage.com, and I have got a great podcast episode for you today. This is with Brandon Clark. He is the production manager here at Keto Brick. He was a he was formerly a in the police force for 15 years. Moved here to work with us. He's been doing keto for coming up on three years now. He's been doing DSK. He's a coach. He's freaking awesome. But I've got a huge apology to make because. For whatever reason, we recorded this podcast, and my audio turned out terrible. I don't know. How, I don't have a clue. I don't know why, but his audio is perfect. So, I honestly don't talk very much during this podcast. I let him pretty much steal the show. But there are a few instances where my audio is just terrible. So, I ask that you please just suffer through it and give him all your focus because his audio is good. Um, again, I super. <laughs> I apologize. I had no intention of. This messing up, I don't know why it messed up, but rather than scrap the entire podcast, I figured it best to, you know, put it out there and let you have the opportunity to listen to everything he had to say. So, without further ado, here's Brandon. Tell us about yourself, man. Yeah, so uh, I am from, uh, I'm originally from Canada. Uh, when I was about 10 years old, we moved to Lynchburg, Virginia. And uh, I grew up there and um, I was, my kind of uh, introduction into uh, health and fitness uh, came about through being overweight um, as a child. Mm-hmm. Um, I am the oldest of seven boys, uh, so I have six younger brothers. I'm just going to pause right there, oldest of seven boys, get that same thing for a second. <laughs> it, was, uh, it was a very big household, never a dull or boring moment. Um, but uh, I, I was a police officer, so I grew up in a law enforcement family um, as far back uh, as I can remember. Uh, my dad started off as a police officer in Canada with the York Regional Police Service, uh, the area surrounding the city of Toronto. Mm-hmm. And uh, then when we moved to Lynchburg, Virginia, uh, he got a job with the Lynchburg Police Department. And uh, that was when I was in fifth grade. And it was uh, during that time period when he worked with the Lynchburg Police Department that my dad uh, got into health and fitness with the uh, EAS um, bodybuilding competition with uh, Bill Phillips mm-hmm. when that became popular. I remember your brother, Adam, talking about that. I had yeah. him on the podcast, and he mentioned that as well. Yes, yeah, and that was, uh, as us kids, that was our first introduction to health and, well, fitness. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, I idolized my dad, um, you know, all through uh, childhood. And so uh, I saw him doing this. I saw his uh, transformation and being an overweight kid uh, who was not happy with the fate, with the fact that I was overweight and get picked on by other kids and everything. And it's not very pleasant. Um, it was the first time I realized there was something that I could do about it after seeing his transformation. And I was hooked from that moment on. Um, my dad's workout partner uh, gave me a bunch of his workout books. It was a Mr. Olympia book. 
um, Blood and Guts, a uh, book on the life of Lou Ferrigno, and uh, and then I would, um, I mean, I would study every muscle magazine I could get my hands on. I uh, was all over bodybuilding.com and uh, was, became, I mean, some would say obsessed with, uh, with health and fitness. And unfortunately, um, at that time, um, I had no idea about keto or anything like that. And so from everything that I was reading, the way that you had to get in shape was to severely restrict your calories, ramp up and do a ton of cardio. And, uh, and then I had my lifting that I was doing as well. And if you could be disciplined enough to withstand the starvation and the increased cardio, you could drop the weight. And so that's what I did. Um, and it works. And it did work, but it was absolutely miserable. And it was not sustainable. So I would start going through these cycles of leaning down. How old were you? Teenager. I was in like, uh, this was in high school. Gotcha. High school. And then that ended up continuing beyond afterwards. So um, I was getting to this cycle where I would like set a weight that I'd be like, all right, I'm not going to let myself go beyond this point. I would try and do the best that I could after I had leaned down, but I would gradually put weight back on and then I would prepare and do another drastic cut. Mm-hmm. And, um, and this was the, the only thing that I was finding out there as an option and, and just thought that that was the way it was going to be. And um, so I would go through high school and uh, play football and uh, fitness naturally came along with football and lifting in the weight room. And uh, during this time is when I, I got addicted to lifting weights and uh, I loved you know being in there with the football team. And, but also loved working out at home with my brothers. Uh, my parents ended up getting us a full weight set that we had in our basement. And, uh, and I, you know, loved every minute of it. So uh, as we um, were growing up, my dad ended up switching jobs and we ended up having to move to um, Richmond, Virginia. Mm-hmm. So when we moved to Richmond, Virginia, for his job with the uh, Department of Criminal Justice Services, that was when I ended up meeting my wife at the church that we went to. And then we ended up reverting back once he could uh, work from home and came back to Lynchburg. And I ended up uh, reconnecting. I initially had met my wife in Richmond, but we didn't connect at that point. But then she came to Liberty University in Lynchburg and we ended up connecting at that point. That's when we started uh, dating when I was in high school mm-hmm. and ended up getting uh, engaged my senior year wow. in high school. I didn't realize it was that quick, man. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's part of uh, kind of a trend in my family to get married very young. And um, so I carried on that tradition. <laughs> And I actually at what hour I went to Lynchburg Christian Academy. And so Christian schools have, you know, a different, uh, it's not um, prom night. They would refer to it as, 
the junior senior mm-hmm. and it was a version of prom night. And so I took uh, my wife, uh, now wife, Jackie, to the junior senior and um, proposed to her that night. And, uh, and then one year later, uh, in January 2005 is when we got married and when she hates this, but I was still technically 18 <laughs> when we got married. And, uh, and then um, it was a few months after that that I put in uh, for a job with the Lynchburg Police Department, uh, which was really cool because that's where my dad had worked before getting on with the Department of Criminal Justice Services. So a ton of people already knew him there. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I began my career at, uh, with the police department. And then one year later, we started our family um, with our firstborn, John, uh, my wife got pregnant with him a year after we were married. So we did things very, very fast. How many kids do you have now? So five kids now <laughs> from 12 all the way down to three. We have uh, three boys and two girls. Building a freaking army, man. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, very so exciting. I there hasn't been a slow period in my entire life going from being the oldest to seven uh, boys and then going right over and, and building uh, my own family, just at five children currently. And the whole while you're kind of like going through this vicious cycle of bulking and cutting and just like total payoff around. Well, yeah. And that was, I, I really found so much enjoyment and satisfaction with working out. And, uh, and I loved the, the internal competition of, you know, trying to become the best form of myself, but then it would be this, this very depressing, you know, um, experience afterward of putting everything and be then becoming disgusted with yourself. And you can't believe that you let yourself go that much. And, and then ramping your motivation all back up to go into a severe caloric restriction again, and extreme amounts of cardio on top of, lifting and setting all the other priorities in your life on the back burner to make this a priority because it was so grueling. And, uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was a miserable cycle. That's crazy, man. Like you, I've seen pictures of your, like before pictures when you'd gotten pretty big, I mean, you put on some weight and you were doing a lot of undercover work at the time too. So you had like, you know, and grown your hair out, you know, to be undercover and you're like, Bad. It's like perfect form of not what you want to look like. No, no, no. I was not. I mean, you, you look in the mirror, you're not happy with what you see. I wasn't happy with what I saw anyway because I'm I, growing up in a law enforcement family. You did not grow out your hair and your earrings, and you know. But when I was undercover at the police department, I mean, that was part of the role that you had to play, and. Uh, and it was it was horrible to go over to my parents' house during that time because they you know they would never say it and they've always you know been the most loving parents um, but you could see they did not like yeah. how I look walking yeah. through the door. <laughs> that alone could be crazy, man. Like because you don't want to look like them. No, you're undercover. I mean, you can't be depending on what your role is. I mean, you have to look a certain way. Right. So did you find yourself kind of like, like when you looked that way, like when you were heavier, you know, less kept because you're trying to fit in with people that are less kept, 
do you feel like that kind of weighs on you and you start to, to act accordingly, like even in your home life, or is it a totally different thing? It, it's a struggle. I mean, it's a, it's a definitely thing that you, like even in the training, in the undercover training, they tell you you've got to be like crazy vigilant over um, your undercover roles versus who you are in real life and make sure that those um, don't blend and mm-hmm. uh, at all. Um, I mean, because, I mean, being a police officer, you have to uphold certain standards and, uh, and a lot of, you know, good police officers have ruined their careers because things have, uh, I mean, they blurred the lines and, uh, and they ended up losing their career over it. And, um, it's a very, uh, the law enforcement lifestyle in general is completely the opposite of promoting a healthy and fit lifestyle. I mean, when you go from all of these crazy shifts all the time to, um, you know, the police officers don't make very much, but at the same time, there is just endless overtime. Uh, so you end up resorting to working all these overtime jobs. Well, most of these overtime jobs are in the middle of the night into the wee hours in the morning. And you take those on in addition to your swing shifts already, then on your weekends, then you're trying to somehow normalize at home. And, and that in and of itself is a vicious cycle. Um, because in law enforcement, you go through these moments of extreme stress that most people will likely only probably hopefully experience very few times in their lifetime. And you're experiencing these moments of extreme stress on a regular basis. And then you're going through these entire shifts of having to remain hyper vigilant because you literally in the climate that it is today, you have a target on your back mm-hmm. and there is a, um, a reaction in your body to having to be in this hypervigilant state and then experiencing these extreme raises in adrenaline and cortisol dumps to where when you go home and you take that equipment off and, and you drop it, you end up dropping into a depression, essentially. Um, and a lot of, uh, you, you end up almost like running off of this adrenaline when you're at work. And then when you're at home, when you need to be focusing on your family and all the other priorities that you're, you're working to sustain this life outside of work, you're, you, your body responds by dipping way below the norm in order to compensate. And so it's just up and down, up and down. And then when you incorporate these off-duty overtime assignments on your days off, you, your body's not recovering. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so, and which is a reason why that so many law enforcement families don't make it, they crumble. And, you know, a lot of times the officer is left only with his career and not a family. It's crazy, man. Cause like, I know you well enough to know that you're the kind of person similar to me in that when something bad is happening, when somebody's going through a lot of heartache, like you internalize it and you try and fix it. Like we're fixers, we're trying to fix things. Yeah, it would be really hard to have a complete disconnect between work and family time. It's like you take all that home with you, and you're at home with your family. And you're thinking about, you know, some informant or something you've been working with. You're trying to help their life, mm-hmm. but it's like totally clouding 
you're being in the presence with your family. Right. Yeah. And, you know, I, um, I can't say enough amazing things about my wife. I'm glad that she is stuck through it with me 15 years of that lifestyle. Um, I, I still remember the night that I was uh, one of my informants that, uh, that I had. Um, she was a prostitute and she ended up, um, she ended up fleeing for a while. She was working with us. She ended up fleeing because she became wanted. Mm -hmm. And then one night randomly, my phone gets a, uh, I receive a call while I'm sitting on the couch with my wife in the evening while I'm off and it's her and she's gone and gotten caught up in, uh, one of the, um, largest human trafficking rings uh to ever be um investigated and prosecuted in the eastern district of virginia and uh so um you know i had to immediately get up off of the couch with my wife and sit at the kitchen table talking to this prostitute that's caught up in this human trafficking ring and literally sit there and launch an investigation at my kitchen table for hours when it was one of my few evenings off and i'm getting up from talking to my wife and she knows you're talking to a prostitute yeah you know, so it's uh i mean she has been um unbelievable and i'm so uh grateful um you know they they say behind you know any um any great man uh, is a great woman and I'm not saying I'm a great man, but anything good about me, um, has a direct correlation to her being the backbone of our family. I mean, I'm, I gotta say, I'm pretty impressed, man. You got five kids. You've lived a lot of life already. You're 33, right? Yes. We've had your family over here twice or three times for a cookout. Yes. And I mean, all, all your kids are like super polite, you know, super mature for ages and your wife's awesome she's lovely so you're doing something right for sure yeah yeah it, it was one of the best decisions of my life to marry her and then uh, and then another thing that um, we do that's you know a lot different than a lot of people choose to do today because a, a lot of times you just can't do it you um it's uh, the way life is now is it's like you have to have both parents working in order to make it and uh we've decided um, to sacrifice, you know, a lot of the nicer things in life so that she can stay home and, um, I will be the, um, primary provider and, um, not saying that everybody has to do this or that's the right decision for everyone. But I grew up with my mom staying at home and my dad being the primary, um, provider. And, uh, I experienced benefits of that and so i knew that i wanted that for my kids mm -hmm. and we both made that decision when we got married she agreed and supported that decision and um i believe firmly that her being there all the time with the kids as difficult as that may be sometimes because she doesn't get very many breaks yeah i can imagine um that has translated over into the stability of our entire family and um, the constant uh, 
building and investing in them without uh with without much distraction getting in the way um and my wife takes that very very seriously and uh and we have amazing kids because of it so yeah, yeah i mean you know homeschool everything yeah. so like that's something that i'm keen to learn more about i don't know if you want to talk about that on the podcast but homeschooling is something that i don't know like when you look at everything going on there in the world right now i've found i tend to do better when i'm more removed from the systems that are in place and the current educational system being one of those yeah i, I was not homeschooled um my dad's a professor he's put a lot of you know emphasis on education so i've put a put that on a pedestal but i feel like if you have a good foundation to work with and you can teach your kids you know yourself i mean i didn't even realize that there's so many different programs out there for homeschoolers yeah. that make I didn't even know that this. Oh yeah, all kinds of different groups you can get involved in. Like a lot of people think, you know, homeschooling means, you know, that that you're separated from the world and you end up raising these kids that, you know, don't know how to function in That's society. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And and that, you know, that that may have been um what happened a lot of times in the past. But uh fortunately for us, homeschooling and homeschooling curriculums and programs have advanced so much over the years, and it has become so popular that there is there are these huge um, homeschooling groups that you can become a part of, and it's still you as the parent staying in control of educating your children and finding out the curriculums and really giving them the one-on-one -on -one attention that they probably wouldn't receive in any structured school system, but you are able to provide it to them and you have, you know, the, the love of being their parent behind it. Mm -hmm. So there is complete 100% sincerity in, the, in everything that you're putting into their education. And so there's been, you know, my wife is constantly on the hunt for how and what is the best manner for this individual child of mine to learn and it's different for yeah. each kid but you're able to customize it to them for their optimal benefit and uh i am it, it is hard but you know as it's often said you know the good things in life are usually what are hardest mm -hmm. and you know you don't find value in things that are easy or cheap and um so when the hard times come and the frustrations hit with it, that's what I try and remind myself right. and speak to myself. And, you know, if it's hard, then it's usually worthwhile and, and really good. And um, we are seeing uh, the fruits of that investment every day. And that is one of the things that encourages us to continue on despite the difficulties and challenges that are presented with it. Well, I feel like the parents are disciplined and like, you know, constant approach the curriculum day to day with like a routine and a schedule like they yeah. would in school. I mean, that would have to be key, I would think. Oh, once you get that, you know, figured out and figured out what works well for everybody, I would argue that you can be, you you can give them like more opportunity because they might be able to act in more public system or in a private system where it's not individualized at all. Right. I've got a feeling that your whole family can take like a field trip and have a business, you know, teaching day. Put the internet on, 
on him with some gloves. That's awesome. The floor. We got our we got our next several employees lined up. That's right. Okay. Yeah, well, talk to me a little bit about nutrition because you you've been doing keto now for what two years, I think. Coming uh, up on three years, yeah. And you've been you've been experimenting with your your training style changed quite a bit. But before we dive into the training, let's talk about the nutrition because you were doing the the constant you know caloric flux manipulations where you're gain weight, lose weight, you know, constantly going through different pant sizes. Yeah. How did you come keto and what's that been like? Yeah, so um. It was. It got to a point where I started um, wondering if I could be a husband, father of five kids, police officer, provide what I need to provide, and still um, reach and ever maintain my health and fitness goals. I, I started believing more and more, like maybe this isn't possible. Maybe this is one of the things that I need or have to sacrifice. Um, and that was uh, a very sad thought process uh, for me. And also, you know, I had a very high pride in um, staying in shape for my job to keep me alive through all of the fights and the chases mm -hmm. and the uh, abuse on your body. And, and so I would consider the thought process of if I let that go to compensate for all of the other priorities in my life, I may lose my life because of that, whether that's, you know, being killed by a suspect or um, having uh, incredible health issues start to take effect because I'm not doing anything to combat all the negative things that being a first responder does to your body. And um, I began to also experience what I now know from talking to a, um, a military veteran friend of mine, um, I began to experience PTSD uh, issues, um, like some serious depression, some serious uh, anxiety, and uh, my sleep were, was horrible. I would, uh, I was dealing this a lot of came a lot during my time undercover. Um, I could hardly sleep if I heard a noise in the house. I would get up, get my gun, and clear my house, um, and I would do that many times. Uh, I would go around and check if the doors were locked repeatedly. If I saw a car driving by, um, I would be scanning the car to see if it was potentially one of the dealers I was buying from or something that had found out who I was and found out where I lived because I was doing this work in the same area that I lived. Mm -hmm. And I, and I began um, feeling like, like honestly, like, and it's sad because in the first responder community, like they're doing all these things for health and wellness, and it's all great. But um, you know, suicide kills more first responders, more police officers than anything else. And there's a problem there to where people don't feel like they can speak up about what they're going through for what their career um, is doing to them mm -hmm. in, their, in their personal lives. Uh, because 
you know, you start to worry, well, as soon as I say something or reach out for any type of help, uh, help, well, then, you know, then the questions are, are you fit for duty? Are you fit to be carrying a gun? And, go, and so then you can put on administrative leave and be sent for testing to make sure you're fit for duty. Well, during that time, you can't work the overtime mm-hmm. that you need to provide if that does happen. And then your career is also at risk. So you're getting a hit financially during that process and then potentially losing your career if the tests come back that you're not fit for duty. So people often keep anything that they're struggling with to themselves um, to survive uh, their career and not lose it. And all of the problems just continue. And then we, um, you know, I believe all of this directly translates over into the uh, law enforcement suicide rate being what's killing our police officers more than anything else. And at one point I literally thought to myself and I was able, nobody knew this. I didn't tell my wife. I didn't tell other officers. I didn't tell anybody. I kept it completely internalized. Um, And I got to the point where I was like, I feel like I'm going crazy. Mm Mm-hmm. I don't know what to do about it. And, you know, I'm a, I'm a believer, I'm a, a Christian, and my faith, um, you know, is everything to me and who I am. And so I began praying, um, like, uh, serious prayer, you know, asking God to provide something. Like, I'm, I'm desperate, and I don't know where to go, I don't know where to turn, and I don't know what's happening to me. And... Uh, and again, like my performance stayed rock solid. Nobody knew I was dealing with that. I was able to hold everything together when I needed to hold everything together. Mm-hmm. Um, but internally, uh, I was fighting a battle that nobody was aware of. And this was, I believe it was the fall, coming into the fall of 2016. And uh, and I remember when it hit the, the peak for me to where I was scared about what I was feeling and what I was thinking and, um, and got into some serious prayer time about trying to, uh, w- what I was going to do. And, um, it was during this time that I ended up going on, uh, one of the coolest things about being a part of a big family with all of these brothers is that we go on guys trips and we've maintained that, um, you know, through adulthood. And, uh, and those are some of the best memories, best times, you know, that I've ever had. And we did one of these guys trips that fall. And that was when my dad started telling me about this ketogenic diet. He was studying about and reading about all the benefits and had currently started following and how all of his blood work was great. And he was dropping weights and, um, and all the reading he had done uh, in his research prior to doing. Mm -hmm. And it started to fascinate me. And what really fascinated me the most with what I was currently struggling with that he wasn't aware of, none of my brothers were aware of, two of which were police officers at the same department I was, um, was uh, a book that he read. And it was called, uh, it's called Strong Medicine by Blake Donaldson. It was written in 1962. And uh, Blake Donaldson, I believe he's a doctor. He is a doctor, or was. And uh, he, this was um, 
he ended up getting assigned, and I may be off on some of the details, but um, he ended up being assigned soldiers that were returning from war because they had an extremely high suicide rate. And the depression, the PTSD uh, effects were resulting in these um, like devastating uh, suicide rates amongst these soldiers returning from war. And so he ended up putting a plan in place for them that involved, uh, if I'm recalling correctly, it was a half a pound of fatty meat three times a day. They could have black coffee, water, and they had to go outside and go for a walk every day. And this protocol ended up completely reversing their depression, their PTSD issues, and the suicide rates started dropping. And these soldiers were actually able to stabilize, recover, introduce themselves into the normal workforce as normal contributing citizens instead of derailing you know into um, depression through PTSD and you know sometimes unfortunately suicide mm -hmm. and so he told me about that and then he also told me about how he was reading about different people groups who didn't have um, you know they lived in areas where they hadn't had access to a lot of different carbohydrates because certain things didn't grow. And, uh, and so they were restricted based off where they lived to um, high fat, moderate protein, low carbohydrate diets and how their health and longevity markers were incredible. And they did not experience all of the negative side effects that, um, oftentimes are preached if you eat high fat. And so I really took all of this to heart. And, you know, I, um, I've always, you know, I've never respected any man more than my father. And so I was like, I'm going to give it a try. So it was at that time, the fall of 20, if I'm calling correct, fall of 2016, that uh, I ended up, um, trying ketogenic diet for the first time and like most people i did not do all the research that i needed to do mm -hmm. before starting so i'm like all right i need to you know eat a lot of fat electrolytes yes <laughs> that, that ended up being um what what killed me on it because uh, i ended up doing it and i'm like all right and then i start dropping that initial drop of water weight that you experience well, that's pretty cool. And, uh, but then I hit the keto flu and it rocked my world. It was bad. And, uh, and I quit, but fortunately I had heard enough from my dad and I had done enough research to know like, there's something here, there's gotta be something I'm doing wrong. So I started researching, um, even more. And uh, that's when I came across, um, Jason Whitrock's uh, YouTube channel. And uh, I actually came across his bodybuilding.com video on the uh, top five keto mistakes. And I looked at that. I was like, oh, my gosh, I, I think I'm doing I did every one of those, every one of the top mistakes, especially the electrolytes. And so I started researching and I changed those things, recommitted myself, got the electrolytes right. And 
and there's been no turning back since. Keto has absolutely um, changed my life uh, for the better. Getting my electrolytes down, I would say the side effects, the negative side effects during that transition period to getting into ketosis were minimal to none because I was on point with those things. And um, and yeah, I haven't looked back since and I uh, have no plans on uh, ever deviating. Yeah, it's interesting to me, man. Like I've had several veterans on the podcast mm-hmm. and they've all caught like the ones that have had PTSD have, that have gone keto, they've noticed a pretty big, you know, difference in how they feel with regards to their PTSD. As a result of keto. I don't know if it's because of some, you know, neurological synapses happening. I don't know why from a neurological standpoint, but I've had that said to me on multiple occasions, which is crazy to think that a nutritional protocol can have such a profound impact on, you know, like your stress, your, your PTSD symptoms. But like for you, other first responders, other veterans, I mean, just having that as an outlet as opposed to, you know, drugs that yeah. a lot of people turn to, mm-hmm. that's, that's a game. Oh, yeah. Like the, the what I would compare it to, it was it was crazy. That that breakthrough period in the ketosis is um, it's like something, it, I mean, people that haven't experienced it won't understand, but it's like it, something you don't forget, especially if you're to the negative that I was. Yeah, the more negative you are, the more pronounced it becomes. Yeah, yeah. and I would say before, it was like I was saying, it was like I had no, um, it, it was like I felt like I was going crazy, like I was losing control, and I couldn't focus. My thoughts, my, um, my mind was all over the map, and I couldn't dial in and focus. It was a struggle. It was a fight, and again, I was holding it together enough to maintain you know, my performance at work and to maintain, but n- nobody knew about the incredible battle it had become to make those things happen. And uh, it went from feeling like I couldn't focus at all and it, to the point where I was like, I'm going crazy, um, to breaking through into ketosis. It's like the cloud was gone and I had the ability to focus and I had to be able to focus on what was most important, keep priorities in line. And uh, it was like it gave me control of my life back. And I would absolutely tell anybody that for me, the ketogenic diet was an answer to prayer. And, uh, um, I, you know, I, I had reached that breaking point where I was starting to pray about it because I was so concerned with my mental state. Mm-hmm that nobody knew I was dealing with. And, and this healed my mind. And so I initially, you know, thought, well, when I was initially getting into it, like keto, had, um, you know, the ability to, to drop some weight and get in shape. And, and then you start hearing about how people are able to stay lean and fit year round. And uh, that was my like initial, um, like, that that would be the most prominent benefit you know that would enable me to to juggle everything and still maintain reach and maintain my health and fitness goals but now i would say the mental and cognitive benefits how it healed my mind is by far the reason why i would never deviate and the physique benefits is just icing on the cake 
Yeah, I totally agree. Man. A lot of people, like I obviously do not think that my physical performance is going to suffer at all. I think it's only improved since keto, especially from a longevity standpoint. I feel like I'm going to live much longer from keto. But all that aside, I have no desire to stop keto. Even if my, even if my performance dipped, I would still take keto simply for the cognitive enhancement benefits I get from it. I don't think I'd be more productive and efficient and effective as an individual or as a businessman if I didn't, I was like constantly in the state of cloud me, cloudiness from carbohydrate energy and just, you know, not being with my nutrition. So from that reason, I have no intention to deviate. Yeah, yeah. And, and I would tell you, you know, because it's so funny now how different, like one thing I noticed is, um, and people got to the point where they were like, Brandon, and again, they didn't know the background. And when I would talk about the benefits of, um, of the keto diet and, and the keto lifestyle, I wouldn't mention the, I was still a police officer at that point. I, I didn't want to bring up anything about the potential of mental instability, um, depression, anxiety, paranoia, PTSD issues. Like I was still scared to bring that up and, um, and I was like, well, I've recovered from it, you know, from what I was dealing with, but I, I don't want to risk anything by talking about it. So I would only mention, you know, the other health benefits, the other physique benefits that I experienced. And people would be like, you are so passionate about this. Like you're obsessed with keto. And uh, it's funny because um, you end up noticing or finding out that there are people that will attack you and bite your head off because they are so anti-keto. It's really, it's really weird. I don't understand. No, it's like it's like these different armies. And uh, so, like, I'm not saying I'm not sitting here saying that I know for a fact that keto is the best for everyone. But I'm saying it, like, it saved my life. In my opinion, yeah. it transformed my life. It transformed me as a husband and father. It transformed me as an employee. And um, for me, it was life changing. And I got to believe and from, you know, listening to other people as well. I know that there are other people out there like me uh, who would likely feel the same way. And so I'm not saying everybody in the world has to go keto um, and that it's the answer for all and everything. But for me, it was life changing. And if me spreading the word about it um, could help change someone else's life who was in the same struggle that I was. I mean, you're not going to stop me from talking about it. And, um, I've even said, you know, if I found out tomorrow that the ketogenic lifestyle would take years off my life, I'm not stopping. I'm going to continue to do it because my quality of life was so bad before with what I was dealing with. I'm not going back to living that way. And my quality of life now is exponentially better because of the ketogenic lifestyle. Mm -hmm. Totally agree, man. I've said that same thing multiple times on my own podcast. It's like, even if they came out of research that was definitively, definitively stating, hey, this is going to cut 10 years off your life, I would still do it because the, the quality of those years while on this life is, is what matters, I feel. Yeah. So, yeah, man, the rest is history for sure. Yeah. Talk about training because you've got a pretty interesting approach to training. One that I kind of scoffed at prior. But after, after 
meeting you and seeing what you do, I'm, I'm impressed. You made a believer. Yeah, well, good, good. I uh, So my whole philosophy was trying to figure out, you know, we were raised. Uh, it all goes back to, to how I was raised. You know, my dad raised us to where if he could raise his boys to know um, how to work hard, um, not cut corners, give 100%, um, and uh, and then um, love and be faithful to your wife and to your family, then he would be, you know, he would be a success. He would consider himself a success. And he grounded those into us, um, the values of hard work, the values of loving and uh, staying faithful to your wife and to your family. And those were constantly in the back of my mind as these are your priorities, these are your priorities. But I kept finding these other things competing with it constantly. And I was like, I got to figure out a way on how to be able to still go after my health and fitness goals, but not sacrifice my family at the same time. Right. And, you know, so I had gotten so into to lifting weights and being in the high school um, uh, weight room with the football team and had a weight set at home. And, but then it got to the point to where, you know, you end up moving out um you end up moving out and uh you know i got married immediately took on more um financial uh burdens start growing a family i was like i don't have time to drive to a gym to warm up the potential of having to wait on equipment get in a solid workout cool down drive home by the time you're looking at that you're looking at at least two hours and the way I always looked at it is like, I don't have two hours to sacrifice and still be able to um, think that I'm giving my family uh, what I need to be giving them. It's like, it needs to subtract as little from that priority as humanly possible while still allowing all of the you know, other hours in the day that I needed to work to provide that was away from my family. And I was like, I got to figure out something at home and I got to figure out how to get the most bang for my buck. And my fascination with body weight calisthenics training started when I was in high school, but I kind of scoffed at it at then too, but it, it started intriguing me at that point. That was when I, I started reading about Herschel Walker mm -hmm. and how Herschel Walker credits his foundation in fitness to um, when he, it started when he was a child doing hundreds and then ended up being thousands of uh, body weight calisthenic exercises, push-ups, pull-ups, body weight squats, body weight ab exercises, dips. And how even to this day, he still does thousands of reps every day. And I believe it, and I may be wrong with this, but I believe he, they said he, he didn't even lift his first weight until college. And uh, then he performed incredibly um, at the weighted exercises when the foundation of his entire fitness up to that point had been body weight. Mm -hmm. And uh, so a lot of people would you know, shrug that off and say he just had incredible genetics or something like that. But that stuck in my mind. And then as I got into law enforcement, uh, I started, you know, a lot of military personnel are in law enforcement. And I was like, the military puts such a focus on body weight. And you know, a lot of people would just think that's just for convenience and cost effectiveness. I was like, you know, a lot of these guys are shredded, they're built, and 
they're doing tons of body weight and there's all these military body weight programs. Mm-hmm. It's like, so there's gotta be something more to it. And uh, so then I get into law enforcement, I'm in my law enforcement career and I start interviewing these inmates and I see these inmates who would lock them up um, for a crime they committed. And then month later would get out. And when they were locked up, they were out of shape. They were sloppy. And several months later, they get out and they are shredded, you know, like they could step on a bodybuilding stage. And then, so I would always, you know, I'd always get out with them. And um, fitness was one thing that I could talk with these guys about that it wasn't a confrontational conversation. It would almost like bridge a gap with mm-hmm. them. So I always loved bringing up working out. They could tell um, that I liked working out and knew a decent bit about what I was talking about. So we would have a completely, you know, um, non-confrontational conversation about fitness. And uh, they would always tell me that uh, it was pull-ups, push-ups, bodyweight squats, bodyweight ab exercises, and that they would do hundreds, if not sometimes thousands in a week. And that uh, that was a, ended up translating into their transformation. And uh, the most incredible one was one particular guy that I was involved in arresting and putting away. And uh, he went in incredibly out of shape and ended up saying that all he had done was push-ups and ab work and body weight squats. And he could have stepped on stage at a competition. And these things um, ended up convincing me that uh of the the effectiveness of body weight and as i read more and more about it through those different avenues and people who had developed an expertise in it i ended up realizing that you know high repetition calisthenics is really knocking out two birds with one stone as far as strength muscular strength muscular endurance and then cardiovascular as well because you're doing such high repetitions with limited rest time mm-hmm. Uh, I then had always thought of progressive overload, you know, that's required to build muscle as just gradually increasing the weight. But then I started um, coming across uh, resources um, teaching about how increasing your repetitions, limiting your rest time, and using intensity techniques are also other ways to achieve progressive overload. Right, right. And I was like, I can, I can make this all work. And um, so uh, I built my own body weight program uh, to uh, work out at home. And most of my workouts are seriously 30 to 35 minutes. Now, those 30 to 35 minutes are hardcore and like I'm dying. But, uh, but I'm able to do it at home. There is no lag time. I'm able to get in, knock it out, jump in my shower, and then right back to my life and the requirements that are there uh, with the minimum subtraction from them mm-hmm. uh, as possible. And then most, most recent development uh, has been several months ago, you know, um, Adam, my brother Adam, he uh, was, uh, he was the, one of the first ones that I told about keto and um, he will tell you it got to the point where he was like, this guy just won't shut up about it. And uh, he was actually amazing. If I hear the word keto one more time, I'm going to lose it. And uh, but he finally ended up 
he didn't lose it and he ended up trying it had an incredible transformation lost over 50 pounds and uh now um stays lean and fit year round and it helped him in all the ways that it helped me um but he uh is i mean he is an absolute expert in health and fitness and uh, he ended up gravitating towards resistance bands. Mm-hmm. And he's like, Brandon, he's like, what I did with keto to him, he started doing with resistance bands to me. It was like, I can't get this guy to shut up about it. And uh, he's like, you got to get a set of resistance bands. These things are awesome. You got to watch this guy, James Rage. You, you got to watch his videos on how he uh, incorporates resistance bands. This would make your home workouts incredible and add all kinds of variety. And so finally I did it. And I got to say, uh, resistance bands will now always be a part of my home training program. Um, they have, I credit them to, um, healing the shoulder issues that I have had, that I was just dealing with pain on a regular basis, pain during my workouts, pain after my workouts in both shoulders from on the job injuries and the bands so uniquely build up your um stability mm-hmm. the uh, stabilizing muscles uh that i noticed after several weeks working with them that the pain in my shoulders was for the first time in a long time gone and so i would tell you absolutely i will never do anything else for shoulders because my shoulders were bad and these uh, resistance bands um exercise for shoulder i believe healed my shoulders and uh it allowed me to build the underlying strength and stability that i needed to overcome those injuries and uh so now um my home gym is a uh, power tower, which I got off of Amazon for like $90. Um, a yoga mat that I use to do like push-ups on because because of a football injury, I have to do push-ups on my fists. Mm-hmm. So that helps kind of protect my knuckles a little bit when I'm doing my push-ups on the ground. Um, I've got uh, a couple of small sets of dumbbells up to 25 pounds. And I've got the uh, Undersun um, Fitness Resistance Bands, and uh, and that's all I need. And um, I'm able to uh, completely and effectively work my entire body in 35 to 40 minutes and keep my family and uh, my home life as the priority. It's pretty cool, man. Like, I'm, I'm obviously coming from the, the bodybuilding background. Right. And... I don't know. Bodybuilders are weird. They have like a, they have something against crossfitters. They have something against people that do bands. Like people just, it's just like a disconnect. So when I hear people talking about bands. I'm like, oh, that's just a, a warm up exercise. Yeah. You know, that you can't actually build any muscle. You certainly can't build any strength with resistance bands. Maybe if you incorporate the bands with your weight training, like put put one in on the barbell or something, right. Right. but not as a standalone. Mm-hmm. And that's just kind of what I had believed for years. And then we, here to interview I've, I've YouTube videos before but you came here to interview and I don't know if this is a normal interview process but I <laughs> had you do deadlift with me because I was training back that day so we're doing deadlift out there and you haven't 
deadlifted in 11 years, I think you said. And I'm like, okay, this guy does bands, does body weight. Uh, if he gets a few 25, I'm going to be impressed. And you were at 405 with me. And I do that every week, you know. But you weren't even phased by it. I mean, you were you were pulling it, and it wasn't like this crazy stroke. I don't even think you had a belt on. I don't remember. But, I think I won't Yeah. But the fact that you were even able to do that, having not done deadlifts in 11 years, I mean, that kind of spoke to the – that gave the fans credit for sure because it's like you're able to keep that muscle stimulated, just strengthen that muscle, mm-hmm. and just go out there and perform without any issues. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, – it, it actually – I mean, I'm not gonna lie. That's that surprised me when I was able to uh, to keep up somewhat and end up getting to to over 400 pounds because I hadn't, yeah, I hadn't done any deadlifts in over 11 years at that point. Um, but that was one thing that I ended up really grasping onto was I always thought it was all about the weight and more weight and more weight, and I kept injuring myself and tweaking and mm-hmm. and uh, I would end up pushing myself to the point of not using proper form and that would result in injuries. And then I started um, listening a lot to, um, to the likes of uh, James Grage and Chris Gethin. And uh, a lot of those guys were started um, talking a whole lot about um, how it's not about how much weight it's about how you're performing the exercise and how it doesn't matter how much weight you put on a bar for them they can make that exercise as hard as humanly possible and take it to failure and reap the rewards of the exercise no matter how much weight is on the bar. And it's all about the um, intensity and the purpose behind whatever that you're, whatever you're doing and truly having the intensity needed. And um, the program that Chris Gethin was doing at that time was his dramatic transformation principle, the DTP program. And so that was one of the things I latched onto and learned from. And which is why like my dumbbells in the house, they only go up to 25 pounds because, you know, I really don't need any more than that. I don't need more than my body weight. I can do um, sets to failure and then use a rest pause technique or partial reps to take it beyond failure and I have um, seen and reaped the benefit without risking um, the injury that I was experiencing before. I definitely think putting emphasis on technique and form is key because you have to I mean, just simply add more weight to the bar and, and increase the load. You know, you start compensating for that. Like you have to basically perfect and become a master of that technique in order for that increased load have any relevance because if you start decreasing your form quality while you're increasing the load you're not stimulating the muscle anymore right. you're just risking more injury so you know bands because it, it like you have to really know the technique in order to stimulate the muscle so like you're, you're at less likely risk of injury because it's gonna be hard to injure yourself with the bands than with like 405 on your back but you really are kind of able to get that mind muscle connection more efficiently right out of the gates because you're seeing how everything impacts the movement, you know? For me personally, the most painful contractions I've been able to get have been through the bands. Right. And uh, where, I mean, it's, they are crazy intense contractions. Like, this hurts, which is what you're, you're going for, and which is a, you know, all a part of having that proper mindset, you know, to begin with. But, um, but yeah, that, that opened up 
possibility for me to essentially, I know there's a lot of people that, you know, use this word and it gets overused a lot, but like almost like biohack my, my life. Be like, all right, I don't have to go to a gym to be in shape. I can do this at home. I don't have to invest in a lot of expensive equipment. I can get the bare minimums um, of this of the items that I mentioned. And even if I couldn't have gotten the, those other items, are really like I consider them luxury items. Like if I had nothing, like those inmates I was talking about, we're talking about essentially just doing push ups body weight ab exercises and body weight squats mm-hmm. repetitively intensely and were i mean they the proof was in their own physiques right and uh you know so you don't even need that you know you need a little bit you need the ground beneath you and uh and you can do everything that you need essentially with your own body weight and it really allowed me to see okay I have no excuses I can make it all work I love it, man. I love it. You're about to do something that also I don't know if it has ever been done before. You're going to do a competition having only done body weight and band exercises for the 11 years that you've been doing it, which I think is crazy. So talk a little bit about that. It's kind of the next thing for you, right? Yeah, yeah. So um, so I'm currently, I think I'm in, I'm in week nine or 10 of the, of the deeper state keto protocol. And uh, I decided to do the uh, uh, first ketogenic um, bodybuilding competition that is going to be held on October 12th in Dallas, Texas, and uh, by the National Athletic Keto Association. And I'm going to be competing in both the uh, Men's Physique Open and Men's Physique Novice. And I'm going to have done my entire prep working out at home, you know, with the, uh, the gym that I just described mm-hmm. essentially and following the deeper state, you know, protocol. And so I am, I think I have like 10 and a half weeks left and, um, You're about halfway then. Yeah. Yeah. About, about halfway. And, uh, and I'm excited, man. My, I, I had to get the wife on board first because, uh, you know, knowing what, you know, it's still a heck of a commitment. Like, oh yeah, be all in. Yeah. And uh, and I'd always, I'd always been curious and always uh, wondered about doing a competition. And uh, so you know, now I'm part of the, you know, Keto Savage Keto Brick uh, team. And uh, you know, um, what better time, you know, to uh, to take a shot at it to see how well I can do. No, I'm excited, man. I mean, just just seeing you because you've lost how much now? I mean, every day you come in work, we have a meeting. You know, I see you every day, basically. But I can tell just like your face is leaned out. You got a lot more vascular in your arms now. Like everything's starting to change for sure. Yeah. With you having you know, ten more weeks to go, like you're going to be a freak on stage, <laughs> and you'll have done it on DSK yep. and bodyweight manic which is exciting well that's another thing deeper state keto um took it to another level for me like there's so much out there in the keto space and different types of keto and how individuals apply the ketogenic diet and the ketogenic lifestyle to themselves and all these different variables and i have never done anything so strategic um and detailed as deeper state keto and 
uh, and you know having. But like seriously, I'd never taken my fat that high and my carbs that low. And when I initially looked at the protocol, I was like, "Is this even possible?" Like, and compared to like, you know, keto, is traditionally seventy five percent fat and twenty percent protein, five percent carbs. And, uh, and then a lot of times, you know, like I started off counting only net carbs. Well, deeper state keto is you 10 total carbs. So I was like, man, that's almost nothing. And, you know, how are you going to, what are you going to be eating? What are you going to be doing? And, you know, it took a little bit of an adjustment, but, uh, um, once you, it's just like anything else. Once you are introduced to a new plan, you know, um, it, it, there's just an adjustment period. And then once you grasp it, then you're good to go. And, uh, and so now it's like, oh, yeah, I can do that. You know, and um, I've seen the maximized benefits from it. You know, the, the keto benefit that I was experiencing before have only been maximized by the higher fat and the more restricted carbohydrates. And it's because it completely, it, it, too, it, allows you to go to only certain um, fat and protein sources that are going to be that low in carbs, which are and end up being the optimal sources anyway. Right. You know, so you're not getting the um, all the noise or distraction from all the other keto foods and products that carry a higher carb content. And it's funny, you don't really realize what those few extra carbs do. You know, but they limit your potential, and this the uh, stay keto gets rid of all of that. What's a typical day of eating like look like for you? Because you're doing like a pretty extended fast in the morning hours. You're yeah. not you're not eating them. I mean, you're drinking black coffee right now. Yeah. I've got heavy cream in mind. <laughs> so, so um, that's another thing that uh, that I ended up really diving into, and uh, and you know, um, really uh, stuck with me was the benefits of intermittent fasting and carrying it even to one meal a day. And so currently right now, um, I'm saving all my calories uh, for the end of the day. Uh, I usually fast at least 20 hours, if not longer. Um, so my eating window is usually between 6 p.m. and 10 p.m. And that's when I consume all of my calories uh, that I'm currently set at. Um, what are your macros right now? So, Right now, I'm at um, at 1,900 calories. I'm at uh, in the 160s for fats, right around 90 grams for protein, and then the, uh, the 10 gram total gram of carbohydrates. Gotcha. And uh, so that's where I'm at right now. I save all that for between 6 and 10 uh, p.m., and a lot of my go-tos right now are 80-20 ground beef, um, eggs. I, I typically go with Parmesan cheese for my cheese option uh, a lot because it's zero carbs. And, uh, and also it goes really well with eggs and, uh, and ground beef. Um, I'll have some heavy cream. I'm kind of trying to limit the dairy. Uh, I do notice some negative, uh, not a lot, but... I feel better and feel like I perform better and have less bloating if I limit my dairy. Yeah, I don't know. What do you use for your carb ups? 
nothing for carbo. <laughs> nothing for carbo. But uh, no, like so. Well, that might actually be a good little, uh, good little segue into um, into uh, the cheap meal um, topic. Yeah, you know I because uh, you know cheap meals are so big when you're when you first get into it. Like cheap meals are are part of the Bible of health and fitness. You know, like I first got introduced to it, it was like you get it back then. It was a cheap day. Yeah, you get a day once a week go nuts and then you see all these you know videos out there like ten thousand calories in a day and there's boxes of donuts and boxes of cereal you're full and uh so um so anyway i fell right into that and when i first started keto i incorporated that i was like i get a cheat day but what was funny is once i once i transitioned into ketosis and then i I would get knocked um, out. I would, I mean, it felt bad. And then I was like, I need three or four days to get back into, to drop the water weight I put on from the cheat meals mm -hmm. back to feeling optimal. And uh, I was like, I don't feel that great. And, uh, and so then you start going, like, was that even really worth it? And because one of the benefits of keto is you get to have all these delicious foods that are satisfying, satisfying and satiating and, and produce energy. And so it's not like a typical diet where you're, you know, choking down dried chicken breasts and broccoli with water. Like I look forward to my strict ketogenic meals. So then I look at, started looking at the cheat meals, like, is that even necessary and worth it? Um, but I mean, Hey, you know, it was, it was like part of what you do. So as I continued, and the I've found the longer I'm on keto, it's like the better the benefits get. So, um, and I also found the less I wanted to cheat mm -hmm. um, as well. And so, uh, you know, in talking with my brother Adam too, like he ended up deciding he's like, I can only do one or two meals a month tops because it'll throw me off. And, uh, so I started really, you know, considering that and thinking that's, that's probably the best too. And the less I do, the better I feel. Um, and I really don't experience any positive, even in my workout, my workout suffers yeah. when I have that huge influx of carbohydrates. Um, but I do not well on this uh, deeper state keto protocol and prepping, but I do incorporate cheap meals into my lifestyle and that there's a, a specific reason why. So when I uh, began living the ketogenic lifestyle, my wife was not keto, my kids were not keto. Right. And that is something a lot of people experience and struggle with because you've got your kids eating all this, you know, all this stuff. And you got your wife eating all this stuff and you're essentially living a separate lifestyle, eating different, you say, I can't eat that. I need to make different food and that causes issues. And, uh, so, and, and automatically like, um, it's almost like they may feel a little bit guilty about how they're eating. And so there's like this negative undertone, mm -hmm. you know, you're elevating yourself to eating differently. And then it's like, well, why can't dad eat what we're eating? And, and, um, so 
as I progressed through the ketogenic diet, my wife started seeing benefits that I was experiencing. She started hearing about the benefits as I talked about them. And I still will never forget after the first two weeks that I was um, back on keto after my first electrolyte debacle and uh, I got on solid. Um, she was like, your skin has completely cleared up. And I used to have, you know, wearing a bulletproof vest in the summertime. I would like literally have like horrible acne underneath my vest, like almost like uh, blisters. Mm -hmm. And it completely cleared up my skin. And I I'll never forget my wife said, if that's what it does to your skin, it's got to be healthy. Yeah. And because uh, there's always, you know, all this skepticism and still is. Um around whether or not it is healthy because it's literally the opposite of what you're taught you right, know in exactly. school and everything and uh so um my wife has dabbled in and out of keto over the years as i have but she is now on keto and what we started ended up doing she believes in keto now after all the research out of the the benefits of uh you know listening to all the keto experts out there like yourself and then the doctors that have been brave enough to step out, um, like Dr. Kim Berry, uh, you start listening and then it starts making sense. And then you start, you do it and you experience the benefits and you become a, a believer in um, the ketogenic lifestyle. And so that has been uh, a gradual process for my family and uh but my wife now fully believes in the benefits of keto and she wants through that we don't force our kids to eat keto and there are still some carbs in our house um but what i didn't want to force anybody to do anything because i didn't want there to be a negative um an, uh, i didn't want them to look at keto as being something negative right exactly. it, I wanted them to look at it and be attracted to it and be intrigued by it and then want to try it for themselves and then experience the benefits themselves and convince themselves to do it by watching me live my life and seeing how it helps me. And so that has absolutely worked for my wife. And then, um, and my kids now are constantly talking about keto. And so what we've done is gradually like we'll have a lot more healthy fat keto meals now um we'll do bacon and eggs all the time you know as a and it's a very cheap meal option too for five kids mm -hmm. um there's a tons of really good keto recipes out there for family um size meals they like the keto bricks they do they do <laughs> they love the keto bricks they they each have their favorites and uh so they, yeah they uh they love them they Have love they tried the new flavors? No. No? No. They haven't tried the new flavors. Is that one of your favorites? Yes. Both. Both new flavors, and I didn't think it would happen, are my new favorites. Yeah. And, I mean, like I told you the other day, like, you typically don't see people get better with the sequels, you know, with the uh, product variations that end up coming. Killed it these last two times. Like it's, uh, it, it blows my mind. And um, these last two flavors are by far my favorites now. And I, I can't wait. I can't wait for the wife and kids to, uh, to try them. I'm trying to refrain from saying 
flavors. Um, <laughs> so good. So good. Everyone, you will love the new flavors. Um, but, uh, and then like, so with the kids, like uh, introducing good fat snacks instead of the carb snacks, like the animal crackers and the right. gold, the Cheez-Its, and instead uh, replace that with um, almonds, uh you know, pecans, um, you know, some of the nut butters out there, which you got to be a little careful with those too, but yeah. getting solid nut butters, um, cheese sticks, uh, you know, the different cheese and meat stick combos that you can get and providing that to them as snack options instead of the, uh, you know, the low quality carb sources. And um, we have, you know, Thankfully, um, thank God we have very, very healthy children, but I think this diet has definitely contributed to that. And you see when they start eating like that, they're in the kitchen less asking for snacks mm -hmm. because they're more satiated, they're more full, they're running off of better energy. And so what's funny is they're constantly asking me now, Dad, is that keto? Like, I can't get away with anything. And that they're constantly asking me if I'm eating keto. And uh, at the same time, my year old just told me that he wants to keto and that to me proves my strategy my strategy has worked that he has and he, he more and more wants to eat what i'm eating and here's and asks me questions about the ketogenic diet and now at 12 years old has gotten to the point where he's doing push-ups and pull-ups every day and on his own i have never one day told him that needs to work out that he has to work out that he should work out um he has seen the life that we're living seen the benefits from it been attracted to it and it's now at 12 years old at the point where he's we'll find him in his room and he'll, he's at the point of doing um over 200 push-ups a day and now adding in um around 100 pull-ups uh several times a week he'll ask uh, hey, mom, dad, can I, you know, go run around the neighborhood? And uh, and then now has said he wants to go keto, and that is like my my trophy, you know, right. up that he has embraced health and fitness, not uh, and was in no way. I think that's the main thing. A lot of people try and force things upon their kids, not just nutritional protocol, but just the things that they want to instill. They force it, and then it winds up backfiring on them. And then yeah. they, they totally turn away from it for good, you know. So yeah. it's gotta be it's gotta be self motivation. Yeah, it it is. And I think part of that, that is part of why I will still incorporate occasional cheat meals. Even though I experience no physical benefit from it at all, I experience only negative. Mm -hmm. But when your family hasn't been isn't keto when you go keto, um, there is emotional and enjoyment tied to food right. with different events. And so, for example, um, my little boy, Aiden, he had his birthday and he came to me and asked me, he's, uh, he came to me and asked me, he said, um, dad, he's turned, he turned, just turned six. He said, uh, I want to go out for pizza for my birthday. Can you please eat pizza with us? Mm -hmm. I can't tell him no. Yeah. I can't tell him no because he's not going to understand. And I'm almost more worried that if 
that he may end up having a negative view of keto because it's like, well, dad has to sit there and, you know, not be involved with the family. Right. Um, in that. So, um, but they, but they didn't know you had small calves. I mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I need to work my legs. So, <laughs> he's, he's the main one that asked me if everything I mean is keto. So he's like my, I mean, he's like my little angel on my shoulder, you know, making sure I'm staying in line. Um, but, you know, for those reasons, one of the things that, uh, you know, you have a big family and you're limited on finances, a lot of times your enjoyment comes through a movie night and getting, you know, food out. And that's a very good option to have. Uh, you know, a family event together and food is directly tied to that. And so I will usually, I will go as long as I can between cheat meals. I typically try to stay when I'm not prepping for a contest like now, I'll typically try to stay to no more than one to two a month now. And um, I have a certain strategy that I go by as well to minimize the damage as much as possible. So, um, in my research and embracing intermittent fasting in addition to keto, uh, I will do the day of planned like family movie night, say, where we're going to do pizza. I will do OMAD that day. I'll end up fasting like over 20 hours leading up to that meal. I will keep it to only one meal. This doesn't turn into a day, which turns into a weekend it doesn't even turn into a second meal. It stays one meal. And when it's over, it's done with. Then the next day, I'm still I'm still working on it. So the next day, I do an OMAD again all day. But then that night is an absolutely strict ketogenic meal. And then during both mornings, morning on the day of that planned cheat um, and morning the day after are incredibly strenuous um, uh, workout sessions, uh, then, which are then followed their fasted workout sessions. I haven't eaten all night. Mm-hmm. I my goal is to do it first thing in the morning. And then I continue my fast all day from the OMAD until that night. And I find, uh, doing it in this manner, um, allows me the absolute minimum negative side effects and allows me to bounce back as fast as possible. Yeah. That's the way to do it too. I mean, you're a very disciplined individual. So like you can do that. If somebody doesn't have that discipline, they start going off the meal becomes a, yeah, it becomes a week. I mean, that's when people really start screwing themselves over. Well, that's a, in my opinion, that's when you really got to become, um, and I've talked about this with my brother, Adam, a lot, like you really got to become self-aware mm-hmm. and, uh, and really be honest with yourself. And, you know, say, you know, what, um, what really is going to be my tendency after this? And, uh, but, you know, in consideration of that, one of the best, you know, the, the two best things about the ketogenic lifestyle is that it gives you control over your cravings, gives you control over your hunger, which then translates into making it sustainable. Right. And, and that was the thing for like it used to be i would go to a mexican restaurant you know and i would be following a traditional fitness of just calorie restriction high protein low fat low carbs so i would go in there and trying to stay strict and sit in front of that 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 bowl of chips and the literally torture and i would fail 
every time. After getting into ketosis um, and, and becoming fat adapted, you know, they look good and I know they are good, but they don't have control over me anymore. I can sit there, I can get my meal without rice, without beans, without chips, get meat, veggies with, um, with cheese. And, uh, you know, you can make it work at most restaurants today. It's weird, man. I don't even consider it food anymore. Like we were at a restaurant the other day and it was like a, like a, I don't, it's a new restaurant. I forget the name of it, but it's similar to Canobas. Like you go down the line and you tell them what all you want. And I got like a like a bowl basically without the beans, without the rice, without the tortilla chips. And at the end, they have like a little bag of chips that they send with you. And uh, they're like, "You want the chips?" I'm like, "No, I just want the food." <laughs> I, didn't even, I didn't even mean to say that. But that's just what came out. Yeah. Like, I don't even consider it food anymore. Yeah, it's like, and you almost look at it. It's like it's a waste. Yeah, and uh, and you, you think of all the negative things that you'll experience you know it's not worth it and uh but yeah it's funny like now i can go in there and people look at you like you're crazy and uh my wife and i went on a on a like a date night the other night to a steakhouse and uh we got a steak and we got you know keto veggie sides we got like a side salad um with no croutons and you know everything was uh with keto and then you know at all these steak restaurants they want to bring out the big bread bowl and so we immediately are like we don't need any bread yep. and they like pause and look at you and it's funny because at this steak restaurant this uh, steakhouse we've been twice and we get the same type stuff every time fully keto and she said she remembered us because of how weird our order was yeah. you know, nobody else rejects that bread bowl you know everybody else is getting the sweet potato or the baked potato it's loaded getting you know all the full carb options and uh so it's funny um when you go in like it's so noticeable to other people and i don't want to generalize but it's you start looking start recognizing patterns and i'm like the only one in the restaurant that are not getting all the carbs but then more often i'm also the leanest person in the restaurant right, right. <laughs> you know? like exactly. there's gotta be something that's connecting the dots yeah here. yeah, yeah or it's a the amount of times like I told Jackie, um, who is my wife, by the way, uh, <laughs> I told Jackie, I was like the amount of people that have attacked me for keto, that I'm in better shape than them, yeah. and have healthier, uh, you know, blood markers, mm -hmm. do, and it's like, are you are you not seeing the correlation here? Like, uh, what you think is healthy is obviously not working for you, mm -hmm. but it, it's this like. So just a oh. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. So what's what's next in line, man? I know we've kind of been recording for a while here, but what's what's next in line? You're here at the compound now. You're making bricks. Um, you're prepping for a show. You're doing DSK. You're now a DSK coach. Yes. So quick little plug here. Anybody listening and watching this, we're revamping a lot of DSK. We're adding a whole bunch of new content. Uh, Brandon, as a, as, a, as a case example here, he's uploading a band workout video every single week so we're going to have a whole new workout series for body weight and band resistance training um he's now a coach just kind of talk a little bit about what you got in the pipeline man so um so it, a lot of people would probably ask you know uh, or maybe wondering how uh, how i ended up here and so uh i ended up as i get you know, continued through my law enforcement um, career, uh, 
I ended up making the decision um, for uh, a plethora of reasons to um, start moving away from a lot for the benefit of my family, um, looking to make a career change. And at that point, um, when I started thinking this, keto was already a lifestyle for me. And I was fully convinced that I was going to be keto for the rest of my life and that it was life changing and that I was going to tell as many people about it as possible. But I never thought I would get the possibility of working full time in health and fitness, um, let alone in relation to keto, which, you know, had become such a passion for me. So, uh, I, you know, I consumed the keto bricks, uh, before working here. Um, I watched the YouTube videos, you know, before working here and I saw you guys announce the, uh, job advertisement for the production manager. And what's funny is, uh, you know, I initially you know, mentioned it to my wife and she just laughed, you know, because you were in Virginia, you know, Keto Burks in Arkansas, you know, I don't know if anybody ever thinks that they're going to live in Arkansas unless they're born in Arkansas. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, uh, so I laughed and I, you know, I just kind of shrugged it off. And three weeks later, I couldn't get it out of my mind. And uh, I was like, I, I don't even know if it's still open or if they're still taking applicants. And uh, so I talked to her about it again. She's like, all right, let's, let's pull it up on the map. She was like, all right, that's, that's still one day's drive. We can still come back to Virginia one day's drive. She's like, you really want to put in for it? Like, and I, we had had um, our family discussions and everything about my uh, intent to move away from law enforcement after 15 years. And, uh, and so like we literally, as soon as I got the green light, after considering it myself for three weeks, I was, it was like panic mode to try and get here as fast as possible. And ironically, I had taken a week um, for the kids spring break and I ended up sending you guys my resume, I think on the weekend and then literally deciding to drive all the way here on Monday night to leave Tuesday morning and come yeah. out here and do that application process. Which was crazy. That spoke well of your, you know, just do what had to be done, you know? Yeah, yeah. And uh, so, um, so anyway, we make the, uh, we make the trip out here, the, uh, like the, uh, the rest is history. That's how I ended up, you know, translating over from a law enforcement career into the, uh, the keto space working full-time for keto brick and it's given me the opportunity to work full-time in something else that i'm have an absolute lifelong passion about and uh so moving forward from uh from this you know i, I want to um you know make the most of the opportunity that i've been given as possible so i absolutely i was coaching you know, beforehand, before for state keto. And, uh, and so it's been awesome to come in and be given an opportunity, you know, to be a co uh, coach. And, um, I really just want to, uh, you know, grow with the business and, um, with the opportunities uh, that you've afforded me and, uh, um, you know, have as much of an impact, uh, in relation to keto and fitness as possible, which I believe, um, you know, working for you, I've got, um, you know, more opportunity at my fingertips uh, in this area 
than I would have ever thought possible. And, you know, my passion is for, my passion is for men, for father, for husbands who are trying to do the right thing. Mm-hmm. They're trying to provide for their family. They're trying to do, uh, to keep their family first, to spend quality time with their children, to have a meaningful, productive, long-lasting relationship with their spouse, and also value health and fitness as being a part of that mission. Because, I mean, if you're going to do that, you want to be around as long as possible for your kids, you know, to be there for them. You want to, you know, live to a healthy old age with, you know, your your spouse, um, you know, that you fell in love with and have, you know, grown with over the years. And so health and fitness has to be in there somewhere if you're going to make that happen. And, um, you know, I believe I've found a strategy that has, has worked and is working for me, but it didn't just come easily. And it, it, I had to do a lot of research and self-experimentation and um, trying things on myself and developing, you know, different programs. And um, I believe that I, I can help a lot of uh, men reach their full potential and what's most important to them. And, uh, and so that's kind of a unofficial goal of mine is to have that, um, that reaching impact and to have that grow as much as possible through uh, all opportunities that are afforded to me here. Well, we're super glad to have you. I mean, for me, being the owner of the company, it's it's like I put a huge emphasis on the team that we have. Like it all, that's what it's all about. Like it's all about the relationships, about the people that you know buy the bricks, support us, watch the video, listen to the podcast. It's about the crew that we have here internally, and I feel very blessed, grateful right now because the crew that we have is freaking rock solid. Like I'm super proud of the ball and the the future that we can create together with the right intention. And we've all got we've all got good work ethic. And we're all just good people. And it's exciting for me to see the possibilities arise when you have all that combined into one united team. And I mean, you bring a whole another level of just dedication, discipline, and hard work to the table that I'm. I'm proud to have. I'm excited to have. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. And and you know that it's the fact that I'm here, you know, speaks volumes about this company because when we when we decided to come out here for that interview, um, we I mean we were trying to figure out how we were going to do it. We were literally doing a 24 hour turnaround to drive cross country, and five kids. That's you know you no know, we. Oh yeah. But like in considering it, we considered me coming out uh, by myself, you know, and, uh, and I was like, no, this is, if if we are seriously considering this, like my family's got to be behind me. And, um, so I told my wife, I was like, you gotta be there. I want you to see the area. I want you to meet them. I want you to see the, the, um, I want you to see where it is. I want you to soak it all in. And I need your opinion. And um, and then I wanted the kids' opinion as well. I wanted them to see it. I wanted it to be real to them before reality hit. Uh, because a family is hard. And coming out here, um, you know, I 
uh, being a police officer for 15 years, I have a hard time trusting people. But I also feel like I've developed a really good ability to read people at the same time. And so in consideration for that, when coming out here, I was always concerned about leaving law enforcement and going into the private industry because there's so much shadiness out there in products, business, and in money. And I didn't, I can't be part of that, you know? And so my fear was I uproot my family and move across country and to get involved in something that I end up realizing I can't be a part of. And it was all for naught. And coming out here um, and spending so much time with you and Crystal and the crew and seeing how things run. And I mean, I think that first night that interview was like three hours that we sat down and talked. Yeah. Um, and then being able to bring the whole family over and having all of them um, spend several hours with you guys. And uh, I was able to take as much as possible in. And so, my wife and I still remember that night that you guys had us over uh, and we went out to the van um, afterwards to go back to the hotel and I asked my wife I was like any red flags at all anything she looked, she's like no and I mean you guys showed us everything you guys yeah. brought us in walked us through everything and hopefully she's still <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. nothing but the best of, uh, of you guys and uh and so uh i would say the fact that i'm even here just speaks volumes about what you and crystal have built together that um that i would consider it a uh a wise move but not only that an opportunity um to move across country away from family and uh plug myself right in the middle of all of the awesome stuff you've got going on here and i am just um uh you know sometimes i can't really believe all that's happened over the, over the last couple months and just feel tremendously blessed that i would have never thought when i decided to make the shift to the ketogenic diet and then to make it a lifestyle that it would have eventually led to this and uh i can be more happy about my decision I appreciate it. It truly means the world. I know that you've had enough to be here, and I don't think that. And I, I want to make sure that I'm doing my part to offer you as many opportunities as I humanly can. So, rest assured that I'll, I'll not sleep until you got everything you need, brother. <laughs> well, it's been awesome, and uh, and big things in the future. Awesome flavors, yeah, keto brick in the future, very near future. And, uh, yeah, glad to be a part of it. Well, where can people go to, to find out more about you, sign up for coaching? Yeah, yeah. so um, on Instagram, it's at uh, Real Life Keto Dad. After each, uh, each where after real, it's an underscore life underscore keto underscore. But if you just put in Real Life Keto Dad, I will pop up on Instagram. Um, so that's where they can reach me. Uh, on Instagram, I have um, – the link page on there with links to my coaching with the links to keto brick uh if you want to order keto bricks uh the link to live savage apparel uh, the link to your youtube i have links to everything on my uh, link page so um at real life keto dad and uh and then i'm also uh, on facebook as well just under uh my name brandon clark
Awesome. Awesome. Well, Brandon, again, man, always a pleasure. And uh nice thing about doing this in, in person. I don't have to say goodbye. We're about to make some breaks. Yeah, right yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's time to get to work. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So until next time, thank you all for tuning in. Listen. We'll be in touch.